Hi, I'm Michael Wagner, CEO and co-founder of Star Atlas, the game that has created a breakthrough in the blockchain play-to-earn model. I'm on the edge of NFT, the podcast that has created a breakthrough in capturing the most exciting movements in NFTs. Stay tuned for more. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners. Check out today's episode to learn why players are dropping $10 million a pop for a single Star Atlas in-game asset. Learn about AMC Theater's big plans for riding the meme stock momentum right to the NFT promised land. And learn why our guest today thinks that play-to-earn gaming can affect global markets in a huge and positive way. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy! Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Michael Wagner, the CEO of Star Atlas, a grand strategy game of space exploration, territorial conquest, political domination, and more. It is a massive multiplayer metaverse set in the distant future. Michael is a serial entrepreneur with a formal background in capital markets analysis, economics, and valuation methods. He has founded multiple companies centered around the emerging blockchain and cryptocurrency industry, the most recent of which is Star Atlas. Collectively, he possesses 10 plus years in capital markets analysis, holds his chartered financial analyst designation, over seven years in blockchain, over 24 years in gaming, and over five years in executive leadership. Michael, it's really great to have you on Edge of NFT. Welcome. Thanks, guys. That was a fantastic intro. I appreciate it. Good well, to be here. You're a fantastic guy. It makes it really easy. We yeah. prefer somebody with a little more experience, but yeah. Yeah, come on. Yeah, man. Come I mean, on. You're killing it. You know, I mean, hey, every is... year I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> I'm assuming the 24 years experience in gaming is, you know, counting like playing, you know, Mario Kart and stuff when you're a kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> I... To be perfectly clear, yeah, that is all game uh, playing experience. Not, <laughs> not no, but seriously, Michael, we've done over 60 shows of this podcast, and this one's been on the books for a long time. And it's just been one I've personally been really excited about. Ethan and I are part of a, a group of guys in LA that track what's going on in NFTs and the metaverse and gaming. And Star Alice has been a conversation topic for many, many months. You've definitely caught a lot of people's attention with what you're doing, and we're excited to dive deeper. Yeah, totally. And we might as well start as far at the beginning as we can. How did you get into crypto? And how did the idea for Star Atlas come about? Sure. So, I mean, you guys talked a bit about my formal background already, so we don't really need to elaborate on that too much. But I would just say that maybe one interesting anecdote to share is, is that 24 years of gaming experience and uh, kind of the group of friends that I grew up with in high school. We were all big computer nerds, big gamers. You know, this was in the 90s. And so broadband internet wasn't widely available. And so we formed a group called the Lanarchists. And these were like local area network parties. And we would just bring our computers over and play video games. Uh, you know, all weekend we'd be drinking Mountain Dew, eating pizza, and just playing games. That's how we spent almost every weekend, you know, growing up. So you up got some Twizzlers in there too, I assume. Yeah, all kinds of snacks, of course. And so 
you know, fast forward, probably I'm trying to think of how old I was at the time, maybe fast forward 10 years after high school. Uh, one of my buddies that was in that group who actually went on to co-found my first company with me. So Togues, he introduced me to this concept of uh, Bitcoin and mining script coins with GPUs. And, you know, given the experience building all of our own computers, uh, it was a pretty natural fit and something that kind of captivated my interest in, in terms of getting exposure to something that I saw as from a financial analysis uh, perspective as a potential new asset class. And then also from just the kind of computer nerd in me wanting to build these computer systems, these these rigs and milk crates and uh, start mining cryptocurrency. And so uh, that all kicked off in 2013. I dumped a bunch of money into buying GPUs. I had rigs all over my house, I was kicking circuit breakers left and right with the power draw and then Mt. Gox collapsed. And so it was not profitable at all in terms of being a business endeavor, but it was you know, it did, again, captivate my interest in the potential of the technology. And so I just immersed myself in everything crypto, Bitcoin for, you know, the, the next couple of years during the bear market, made the decision to go full-time crypto in 2015, launched that first company at the end of 2016. And really through that process, the development of, of Togs or multi-chain ventures as it came to be known, got introduced to two people who went on to co-found Star Atlas with me. So that's Danny Floyd, He's our chief product officer, immense background, you know, 20 years plus in AAA game development, uh, as well as uh, Jacob Floyd, who's our chief technology officer. And they serve similar roles with the previous company. And then just to mention, uh, rounding it all out, Pablo Quiroga, who I met through our interaction and intersection with the cannabis industry, uh, he joined as chief revenue officer, you know, pre, uh, pre-launch as well. And so all of us have this uh, passion for gaming. Right. We saw what was kind of emerging in this nascent space that was blockchain games. We saw the emergence of NFTs, primarily as collectibles. Of course, you know, in, in 2019, 2020, DeFi was really hot. It was kind of proving itself as one of the best use cases of cryptocurrency of blockchain that had been innovated uh, to date. And so made the determination that we could create a superior product by bringing the you know, AAA quality mainstream gaming experience and implementing uh, all of the financial incentives that blockchain can bring to it. And so that was, you know, true asset ownership through NFTs, crypto native tokens, Atlas and Polis, decentralized governance, integration of DeFi protocols and primitives into the gameplay experience. And, you know, thus kind of Star Atlas was born. Wow. What didn't you want to include? I mean, it really, it is, uh, we talk a lot about Web3 and, and this converging technology. And it sounds like you looked at all the different tools and what would make the the coolest gameplay, and you matched out all that all that stuff together. What about augmented reality? How does that fit into your sort of vision there? That wasn't something you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, well, so two cool things about AR. You know, first and foremost, when we we debuted the the company in January of this year, so really just a formal announcement announcing that we had closed some capital with F, with the team behind FTX. And you know that kind of led into private token sales, but also really the development of our initial NFT marketplace. And so um, that's at play.staratlas.com. And the the first campaign we executed on was called Rebirth: Genesis of a Metaverse. And we call these multimedia meta posters. It was a 14 poster campaign that was executed over 14 weeks, where every week we would unveil a new poster that describes some of the background and lore, history of Star Atlas, how we got to where we are in that universe. But each one of the, so all of the concept art in the posters was created by our team internally, but we enhanced that with augmented reality, working with Shape Immersive out of Vancouver. And then we also had audio soundscapes produced by some mainstream performers, such as Blondish and Bass Jackers and Dead Mouse on, on one of the posters on the final poster. 
But what we were able to create was this truly immersive experience that started to explain to people, you know, what Star Atlas would become and, and get them kind of uh, give them a sensation of what the metaverse could be, right? Just through storytelling and through augmented reality, where the posters come to life and the sound, you know, bring, really brings you into the, right, into the setting. So that's one component. But the other part, and maybe the more important part, is that we are building out an Unreal Engine 5. You know, it's, it's, very, it's early access right now, but we're, we have a full production team building an Unreal Engine 5. And that's going to enable an enormous set of augmented reality and virtual reality experiences into the future. And while all of those are important for gameplay, and I don't want to diminish at all what we're doing on the game development side, but really when you start thinking about what is going to be possible in the metaverse of the future, and really even what, say, you know, the, the simple fact that Facebook is rebranding to meta and just how powerful of a statement that is, their centerpiece of their metaverse is around social experience, human interaction with one another. So what we believe is our centerpiece is gaming. That's going to attract an enormous amount of people not only to our product, but also into cryptocurrency. But the other components of the metaverse are things like transform, uh, transforming e-commerce, right? Why, why shop on amazon.com if you can actually just purchase your goods with cryptocurrency in the metaverse and have them delivered to your physical residence? Social media will definitely be disrupted. And then labor markets and productivity and true economies will be formed inside the metaverse. And so for things like shopping experiences, AR is going to be a very powerful tool, a selling tool, right? You can kind of interact with your shoes. Say you're shopping at a Nike store inside Star Atlas, you interact with your shoes in AR. And when you hit the buy button, like I said, you get those, those shoes delivered to your house, but you also get the commemorative NFT that you can equip on your avatar inside the metaverse. So that was an extended answer, but AR, VR, definitely a big component of what we're building in the future. Very cool. And why did you decide to build on Solana? And um, just curious in retrospect, if you have any other thoughts on that decision, how it shaped the, the future of Star Atlas? There were many reasons. Uh, we analyzed pretty much every one of the upcoming, call it generation three layer one protocols. So things like Avalanche and Cosmos and Flow. Terra did not make the make assessment, but you know Solana was in there. And really, fundamentally, if I could say one thing, it would just be it's the only layer one protocol that has web scalable tech uh, that, that we believe is going to be necessary to on-ramp potentially the global population into the metaverse. And that's like a super big and bold statement. But you know, we we see ourselves as first kind of serving the crypto gaming community and then into mainstream gaming. And then this concept of the metaverse where anybody can work and play and innovate and interact and shop, it can truly reach a global audience. And so, you know, Solana is greater than 50,000 transactions per second. It's sub-second finality on state changes, which equates to low latency. Anyone out there who's a gamer and has ever experienced lag and gotten headshotted because they were lagging out, enormously frustrating, right? So it's, it's low lag. And then very, very low cost. So less than a penny per transaction and virtually every action or activity that a gamer or player or citizen of the metaverse participates in is going to need to be recorded on chain. That's our goal. And so we need high transaction throughput, high scalability, which is accomplished through the unique consensus algorithm behind Solana and and low costs. Otherwise people wouldn't be able to, you know, they wouldn't pay and they wouldn't play. So there were many other things, you know, the simple fact that we were there early to Solana talking to them in August of last year, there were maybe 20 projects building on Solana. We saw it as an opportunity for us to bring a very innovative idea concept to them that could lead to mass adoption of Solana. And in turn, they would support us through things like marketing and, and press and, you know, helping get us that initial exposure that was so critical 
in growing our community. And it was, it was very successful. They helped us out tremendously. And they've also provided an enormous amount of support on things like tech and documentation as well, helping our engineering team get up to speed with operating across the protocol. So that was helpful. And then just, you know, one thing I always do mention, and this is partially related to, you know, us closing our, our kind of seed round, but I first came across Solana when I heard Sam Bankman-Fried on a podcast talking about Project Serum and his endorsement of Solana and his choice of you know building out Project Serum, the decentralized exchange protocol that lives on Solana. To me, that was motivating. I you know this is a smart guy that's been successful, and if he's selecting Solana, then there's probably something to that, right? So that there was also a little piece of that in there. Of course, we did all of our own due diligence and analysis, but there was definitely a piece of that. Well, in there. who knows? Maybe some of our listeners deciding where to build are, are listening to you as a smart guy and trying to figure out where their next move is. <laughs> <laughs> so the the trend continues. Definitely. I'm- all of our friends, the closest guys that have their ear to the street and, and kind of can predict where things are going have been super long Solana for a really long time. I mean, it's just all that we heard about. We're like, okay, give us the deets. Like, what's the story? And they, they essentially laid out what's happening now. This was well over a year ago. So it makes a ton of sense. And it's very cool to see that uh, it's all coming to fruition. Yeah, there's also, you know, when we were at NFT NYC and beyond, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a groundswell, you know, just among people who are just excited about Solana for various reasons. You know, I talked to some folks who are really excited about Solana NFTs. You know, we talked to Metaplex, who's helping to facilitate uh, NFT projects with Solana. And it's not just about, hey, this works. There's this community groundswell around Solana. I think that's really interesting. Really funny story on that, just quickly, if I may. I think, you know, I think in many ways we've ultimately influenced at Starless, we've influenced the, some of the focus and direction of Solana. I don't have any hard metrics behind any of this. I always like to give Anatoly and Raj a bit of a hard time because they were the first guys I was talking to about bringing Star Atlas to Solana. And they were highly skeptical of blockchain gaming and of NFTs themselves. And so it took a while. It took a little bit of time to convince them, but I know, they have, you know they're fully supportive of it and they see the, the potential and they have for some time. But I, I still, that first call was a little bit of a rough one for me. And I had to go back to the drawing board and say, wait a minute, I still think this is a good idea. We still want to do this. Let me try again, you know, and, and, and here we are. So one of the things that we saw in, in a couple of different places was that the Star Atlas universe has a dual token economy. And uh, what we've seen is it, it's supposed to or does reflect the tangibility and ownership and value of real world assets. Can you tell our listeners, like, what does that mean? And how should that influence their thinking about Star Atlas? Well, okay. So there's, there's really four different asset classes, if you will, across the Star Atlas universe. The, you know, the first two are fungible. So that's Atlas, which is the in-game currency. There's Polis, which is the governance token. What I think is very empowering and transformative about Polis itself, and obviously, you know, the concept of decentralized autonomous organization is not unique to us. These have been around for a long time, but, or many years at least, but you know, our objective as a company, kind of goals of a company is to build an enormous amount of value in this concept of the metaverse, and then ultimately have that turned over to the world at large over time, uh, effectively creating a public utility that anybody can interact with and participate within, and also innovate inside of, right, and create their own opportunities for themselves. And in doing so, they're actually, it's, again, a synergistic, symbiotic relationship in that Every time somebody creates value for themselves by uh, creating a unique experience inside Star Atlas, they're creating more value and more reason for other people to enter into the metaverse as well, right? So 
Um, so that's kind of on the you know Atlas Polis. We also clearly have NFTs, non-fungible assets that represent ownership. And then we also have fungible materials that exist throughout the game. So these are things like minerals and ore and food, you know, farming, stuff like that. These all become input materials in the supply chain for people to ultimately create their own NFTs based on a blueprint. So all of the ships that we've released will have blueprints associated with them. And if you collect the requisite materials and you upgrade those and refine those into alloys, metals, plastics, polycarbonates, you know, in doing that, you are able to mint your own NFT reflecting that that ship or whatever the asset may be. Right. Yeah. I think in-game assets and this sort of creation of new forms of value and economies is fascinating. I'm curious if you can expound upon the features of the in-game assets, you know, how they create value. And one thing I'm, you know, particularly interested in is like utility versus not necessarily utility. You know, we've seen sometimes the most valuable assets are the ones that are kind of just to flex or, you know, to to show off. I, I don't know if that's how much of a role that is in Star Atlas, but how is value created in these uh, assets? Maybe I'll, I'll address the, the second question first. These, you know, we are heavily focused, well, exclusively focused on utility-driven NFTs. Maybe not exclusively. We had the poster campaign that we ran. These are collectibles. These are items that people will be able to share with others in their, you know, inside their habitats uh, in Star Atlas or in galleries or something like that in game. We, you know, we do have a wide range of asset pricing. So ships that start at $20, we have ships that we anticipate will sell for five to $10 million. You know, uh, central space station penthouses, of which there are only three that are, you know, kind of being marketed at 10 million a piece right now. It comes with a unique one of one a faction leader crew card and a faction, a one of one faction leadership, as well as full access to an arena, uh, a stadium that exists on the S- central space station as well. And it would be all of their own unique branding. And so there are people that are kind of interested in this branding exposure and also I, I can the- think of uh, some previous guests on Edge of NFT that might want to go after that or or what about Cosmo I mean that seems right up his alley I well if you can make an introduction <laughs> you know, I'm happy to have a conversation so but you know so so the idea though is to be inclusive uh, we, we want to make sure that everybody can get access to the game because we're reaching a very wide audience you know once again the global population potential user base but we, there are also individuals or groups of players that want the higher end assets, the, you know, the more prestigious and the more exclusive, the more rare assets. And so we're trying to satisfy all of those demands and still be proportional and fair in the economic kind of reward structure of any of those. And I truly believe that uh, you know, people are going to be seeing the, the growth potential of themselves and really reinvesting back into themselves through earnings. So taking part of their the, that income that they're earning and buying another ship or buying a piece of land or upgrading items and components. And, you know, and it, through that process, they're going to be able to compound wealth. So it's kind of all about aspirational wealth at the end of the day. Do you have plans for nodes? You know, like Gala Games has their nodes that go across games. And I'm curious about this also, is there uh, an idea of un- interoperability between Star Atlas and outside NFT projects? We, we just talked to the founder of Jadu, who has these amazing jetpacks and hoverboards that can fly around the metaverse with different NFTs. What are your thoughts on those two topics, just sort of riffing on what you shared? So the node kind of infrastructure or network architecture is 
something that we've envisioned from the beginning, though it's there's no guarantee that we can execute on on that. Uh, an enormous amount of R and D would still need to go into figuring out if that would even be possible on this networking layer. But you know, I think. We're, I'm a staunch supporter of Bitcoin. Like none of the innovation across any other cryptocurrency would exist clearly without Bitcoin first. But I'm also not a Bitcoin maximalist and understand that all of the innovation in the space has actually brought a lot of value and attention back to Bitcoin. But you know, Bitcoin is in its truest sense censorship resistant. And that's because of how fully decentralized it actually is, how nodes are operating all over the world. And the simple fact that there is no real central entity behind that. So in order for us to create a metaverse that is censorship resistant, that anybody can participate in, we have to identify a path to true decentralization. And that's not just across the Solana network, that's across you know, all forms of game logic execution, not existing on a centralized server anywhere. And so we aspire to that. I don't know if it's going to be possible. If it is, it's going to be many years down the line, I think, before we get there, but we'd love to see that. Just kind of taking a step back, I mean, we've talked a lot of philosophy on this station around the metaverse and and reshaping the industry, even though we've been immersed in it and and hearing stories from from folks like Engine about how these games are are reshaping economies. There's also this, uh, this flip side where people are quitting their jobs as nurses in developing countries to to play games for a living. And, you know, it's totally reshaping some countries. When you take a step back and look at things from a macroeconomic perspective, how do you see this play-to-earn sort of concept reshaping gaming, but more broadly, capital markets? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Somewhere we're dedicating a ton of energy. Maybe just really quickly on your past question about interoperability, I think that 100% interoperability will be kind of the future of the metaverse. I think that's very difficult to accomplish in the short term, though. There's a lot of complexity in the creation of these assets and also the visual fidelity across platforms and environments. You know, So something that exists in Sandbox would need to be fully recreated to exist inside Star Atlas and vice versa. So there's not as much value for any one of the creators to actually facilitate that in the short term. I think interoperability across chains for like NFT marketplaces is extremely valuable. And that's probably the first implementation we'll see. And then this kind of multiverse, multi-metaverse model in the future where, you know, it's you're, you're flying in between the Facebook meta, metaverse, Star Atlas, Sandbox, you know, Decentraland, and it's all seamless. I think that'll be the future, but again, many years out. So um, well, in we, we know we know a guy that has the right jetpacks or hoverboards mm-hmm. for your journey. We tried them out in New York. They're pretty amazing. Yeah, also consider, and this is sort of an inside joke that I'm almost hesitant to say because it requires some explaining. Also, uh, consider integrating with, what do we call it, Margaritaverse? (laughs) (laughs) At NFT NYC, they did their, Jimmy Buffett, you know, has like a a multi-story, you know, restaurant and almost conference center called Margaritaville. Which became our media center. Which became our media center. We actually learned that Jimmy Buffett is a huge fan of NFTs. And uh, so there may there may be a Margaritaverse in there, or, or a Margaritaville uh, ship in uh, Star Atlas at some point. I, I would that serves margaritas when when not fighting battles. That could be pretty fun. I, guys, this is exactly what I'm talking about: the social experience in the metaverse. I mean, we could build on a space station somewhere, or on a planet somewhere, any restaurant, any bar, any experience, right? And maybe maybe you guys cast from the metaverse. I, I was I was thinking that same thing. Hey, thanks for the offer. We're down. Let's do it. 
we'll work on that together with you for sure. That sounds amazing, man. So yeah, I jumped around because I have so many questions, but we were talking a little bit about sort of the macro capital market perspective on play to earn gaming. Yeah, I think it's it, it will be completely disruptive on the global economy, which I think is kind of in a fragile state as it is, just to be perfectly frank with you all. But uh, we saw this. Uh, we saw this kind of firsthand with Yieldview Games via Axie Infinity in the Philippines, right? And this was kind of on the as a result of the pandemic where a lot of people were unemployed or unemployable. And they found an opportunity for themselves to not only work in the metaverse, well, to work in a blockchain game, but actually earn a superior standard of living three to four times what they were making working a job in the local economy. And so this is when I say the metaverse is going to create the largest labor market the world has ever seen. It's because we eliminate all that friction of geographic borders that exists. You will no longer be confined to working in the region that you live in. You will be able to work in the metaverse in any capacity for any person anywhere in the world. Right. And beyond that, it's actually going to be an extremely competitive labor marketplace. So um, we've uh, some people have expressed concerns about, you know, is this going to be like a fiefdom or slave labor or is it like, you know, child labor farms in, in China? Right. And I think it will be the complete opposite of that, because if somebody enters into the metaverse and they look at the job board and they see that they can make call it 100 atlas an hour working for one person, but a thousand atlas an hour working for another person, who do you think they're going to apply with? Right, they're going to work for the person that is paying a superior wage, or at least a fair wage, a competitive wage. And there's going to be a high degree of transparency behind all of this. And it's going to lead to a lot of efficiency in pricing of labor all over the world. So yeah, I think it's going to be incredibly disruptive, particularly in emerging markets and developing worlds. 100%. Yeah, it's been an amazing sight so far. Michael, as we think about like next steps on your roadmap, things here in the near term over the next few months that you'll be launching what kind of exciting things can we share with our, our listeners? What should they expect to see from Star Atlas? Yeah, some really, uh, really cool stuff coming out. I mean, we're admittedly, we're a little bit behind on our initial roadmap, our internal target launch dates, just to be fair. But fortunately, we have some nice stuff coming out. So the, the first mini game feature, and in case I haven't clarified yet, we, we essentially are building two concurrent products. We're building one in browser. This allows us to do a couple of things build out and test the blockchain logic, game logic that is living on chain and deliver that to the community for call it beta testing, alpha testing, if you will. Uh, but it also allows us to deliver these game features on a more expedited uh, delivery schedule versus you know, building this full production game in Unreal Engine, which you know, if anyone isn't aware, you know, typically AAA quality games like this will take five to seven years, maybe longer to build. You know, this is not anything disparaging on Star Citizen, but they've been building, you know, for greater than a decade and they're still kind of in an, in an alpha state or beta state. So all that said, we're building out these two different versions of the game and we have the first feature for the minigame coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we call that score ship commissions on remote expeditions. I'll share a little leak with you guys. The next feature in the pipeline is called more. We'll elaborate on that as we get closer to launch. But with score, the idea is that you can actually take your NFTs that you purchased from us that we've been selling since early September uh, through our Galactic Asset offering. You can enlist those with the faction. And then the game play functionality will consist of managing a set of resources. So you have to manage food, you have to manage fuel, uh, repairing your ship and maintaining your ammunition on, on the ship. And as long as you're maintaining those items and you will continue to earn Atlas, right? it's kind of a time-based mechanism of earning Atlas. One maybe quick tangent that I would like to point out and to the depth and kind of thought that's gone into the economy for us, it's very, very important that we create this fully functional, self-sustaining economy in the long term, which is not purely based on you know, inflation of tokens uh, through an emission schedule and not purely extractive. 
we want people to actually be able to create value back. But also part of it is that every activity is treated almost like a business and that there are true operating costs to function inside the metaverse. And so, you know, flying a ship, you're going to have to repair it over time. You're going to have to buy ammo. You're going to have to feed your crew. You know, you'll have to pay taxes on land that you own and you'll have to replace mining drills as they wear out over time. So every activity in the game has a cost. And then what's really novel, though, about our DAO structure is that, you know, we're in a traditional game. If you were to spend on replacing equipment, it goes to an NPC and just gets destroyed. That's one of the only deflationary mechanisms that exist in traditional games. In Star Atlas, all of that is captured by the DAO. So it actually flows into the Star Atlas DAO. And then DAO stakeholders and governors get to decide what they want to do with that. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it would just be distributed out to them. Uh, it could actually be used to pay some third-party development team or us to create a specific feature that gets integrated into Star Atlas. They could be burned. They could be used to create a campaign that would attract more users. So incentivize more users to join the metaverse. And while that last point might be counterintuitive, ultimately what we're trying to accomplish here is build the largest GDP that we possibly can, the largest economic value, transactive value across the metaverse, which means that more value would ultimately flow into the DAO. So it's kind of a, if you're a long-term governor in the DAO and you, you, know, you think long-term time horizon, then you want to see exponential growth in the user base because it's more trend, more economic value. So, 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 so here's my pitch to whoever is running this DAO, maybe you know who they are, but Edge of NFT broadcasts within Star Atlas. And if people want to contribute to us instead of pay their taxes, it goes back into production of content supporting Star Atlas. So they can have a nonprofit tax deductible donation to Edge of NFT to support the NFT community in Star Atlas. Win-win. That is an amazing proposal that you will be able to submit with the launch of our governance platform. So, so getting back to kind of your question of what are the exciting things coming up? So score is the first thing. The next big thing that we're focused on this year and building also concurrently is the release of the DAO. So staking of Polis, you can earn emissions of Polis, you can participate in proposals and you vote across the ecosystem as well. And, and based on the results of those votes, you know, we as a development team would implement any of any changes kind of imposed by the DAO itself. So if you guys wanted to go onto the platform when that comes out, which should be before the end of the year, and submit that proposal, if the community votes yes, then we'll do it, right? That's where the proceeds will go because that's what's been written in code. So uh, totally possible. And then kind of just a little bit more forward thinking or forward looking, we, as I said, are building out this product in Unreal Engine. The first module is set to be released sometime in Q1 next year, possibly towards the end of Q1. And we call it a showroom. It's kind of a glorified car dealership, but set in an absolute beautiful setting. But the purpose is to give people a sense of scale of these assets that they're buying. So I've seen some of the demos already, but if you look at something like the Pierce X4, which is the smallest ship compared to one of the Titan class ships, or even look at a commander ship, which is already on a massive scale, you know, a couple hundred meters long, and then look at a Titan ship that is seven kilometers long. And you get to see what that really looks like in the game client. It is absolutely mind-blowing where a turret on the Titan is as big as a commander ship, right? Which is already this massively powerful asset in the game. So, uh, but the idea is to allow people to kind of walk around, interact with one another, configure ships, purchase items in the game, and then send those out on ship missions as well. But it will be the first release of this cinematic quality gameplay that we uh, aspire to. That's crazy, man. So yeah, just, you know, a few things uh, here on the horizon. What's the functionality of these ships that can be programmed in? Can you have a casino ship 
Can you have like a, a arcade ship? I mean, I'm sorry, guys. I know we're supposed to move on to the next segment. I'm just so curious. Like, like what's the yeah. flexibility there? Yeah. So it, it another good question. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I don't want to reveal too much. We've talked. We've actually spoken to a uh, fully licensed digital casino operator, and that that's one of the concepts. Is you know how do they get integrated into the metaverse and create these experiences for players? Yeah. So you're on track there. But there's also things like concert halls. There's also conference rooms, right? So like um, one of the cool things is if you own, you know, one of these larger ships and it has a concert hall in it, which is modular, by the way, you can decide if you want that module in there or some other, you know, select from a list of modules that you want to retrofit your, your asset with. But say you want a concert hall and then say you go out and engage with some performer, whatever, you know, pick your, pick your favorite, but you engage with a performer and you create an entire campaign or program with them of, hey, you're going to be able to come on my ship and perform an act, and we're going to charge a ticketing fee at the door. And that ticketing fee might be you guys selling your own NFT that is a proof of access, right? Or evidence of, of uh, economic value. And so like, if they buy your NFT, that's their ticket that gets them into the concert that you are producing with some performer. And we don't have any say. Let's just replace some performer with Jimmy Buffett at this point. I think that would be fair. I love it. Jimmy Buffett. Buffett, (laughs) Since he is an NFT fan, right? And you can even have uh, the Margaritaville or Margaritaverse Cantina right next door where people stop and drink their digital beverage, you know, and hang out with their friends in VR and then go to the concert. So these things are all possible, theoretically, going into the future. We're not there yet. I want to be perfectly clear. We're not there yet, but this is part of what we're building. When I drink my digital be- beverage, will my screen start to get blurry and like a little bit <laughs> out of whack? <laughs> I don't know if uh, there, there was a really funny kind of bug that came out in um, Star Citizen. We're fans of Star Citizen, just to be clear, but it had something to do with like being able to heal other players, right? And it was like this stim kit. It was a needle. And, and what people discovered was that you could just go overuse this thing on somebody else and it would completely immobilize them. And they, oh. they, they, they would just oh, no. pass out on the floor and there was nothing they could do. And they were like getting robbed. And the idea was that you could heal your friends, but people discovered you could just keep using it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's like having one too many pot brownies. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, people were getting stuck in these like respawn zones. They'd be spawning in and someone would just be hitting them with a stim and then they would knock them out and they just like couldn't escape this loop. So that's been patched. But, you know, the similar concept, it, of course, you know, if you're drinking a margarita in the metaverse, your screen maybe over time gets yeah, a little blurry. Some sky becomes yeah, a little more fun. It's all coming. Yeah. It's all coming. But look, man, so excited about Star Atlas and everything that's forthcoming here. I want to take a, a minute, though, and ask you a few questions and get your personal perspective on a few things. It's a segment that we call Edge Quick Hitters, 10 questions, uh, looking for short, single word or few word answers, but uh, we can always expand a little bit if we get the urge. Are you ready to dive in? Terrible at these, but I'll give it my best. All right, we'll find out soon. Question number one, what's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? You know, I, uh, that's a really tough one. I want to say though, I've told this story sometimes that I'll try to keep this quick, but I've always been kind of entrepreneurial and one of my earliest experiences of being a business operator, if you will, was buying candy from Costco. This is with my mom, uh, you know, of course, buying candy, taking it to the, the elementary school campus and selling it to students next to the snack bar 
that candy got confiscated by the principal. They were not too happy with the fact that I was like selling product next to the, the snack bar, but, but it was probably that I would have to say, cause I was pretty young at that, well, at that time. There was recently a guest on the show that was buying them with their grandpa and selling them to their sister at triple the price. Wow. I think, yeah, we got to start keeping a spreadsheet about, you know, what kind of profit margins our guests had on their candy when they were kids. Cause this is becoming a pattern. I'm also curious if that principal's, actually started to sell the candy to the other teachers after they confiscated it. Because that, that could that could have been part of the story. Indeed. I did <laughs> not get it back. I can tell you I did not get it back, so I don't know what happened. Question two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? And presuming it's the uh, candy. <laughs> I think that would answer the yeah, I think that uh, two birds, one stone. Okay. Question three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? Recent thing I purchased just experiences. <laughs> Honestly, just going out and doing things. I haven't purchased any like material things in a while. Yeah, I told you I'm terrible at these. Probably just a night out with friends, if that counts. Yeah, sure. Of course, man. What do you enjoy doing with your friends? You know, bars tend to be kind of the thing out here in Vegas. But, you know, yeah, really looking forward to getting down to Miami. And, and um, you know, there's I had some good times out there. So I won't, won't necessarily elaborate on those, but just, you know, some good outdoor <laughs> out there you know boating and stuff it's a lot of fun yeah it is it's a scene as well right on okay what is the uh, most recent thing you sold most recent thing i sold that would be nfts that were listed on play.staratless.com today four new ships came online <laughs> check All them right. out awesome <laughs> cool question five what is your most prized possession my integrity Question six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Can you buy uh, infinite perpetual life? I'm not sure. You know, I think at some point you're going to be able to plug yourself in, you know. Elon Musk is working on it. Our friend Doug sent us a... uh some sort of project around the fountain of youth that, that has been proven around blood transfusions. I'll get you the the paper on it. You can tell me what you think. Is this like Silicon Valley's uh, blood boys? I'm going to, as Jeff moves on to the next question, pull this <laughs> we'll up. Look it up. Proven. It's been proven. No, he, he <laughs> but, all right. So let's, let's just throw the, give these guys a shout out. BioRxIV, the preprint server for biology reversing age. There you go. All right. We got it for you. Okay. All right. You're good, man. You're good, man. You'll be around forever. Don't worry about yeah. it. We got you covered. Moving on. Question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? I don't know if my ex would agree, but I think, you know, empathy, like having compassion for other people, caring for other people, what we're building, I mean, truly should be empowering. Like we're not, Star Atlas is a passion project for all of us. None of us are in this for the short-term gain, profit-seeking. Of course, everybody wants to be successful financially as well, but, you know, like we truly believe in the product that we're building and the transformative potential behind it. So I would, I would kind of say, you know, empathy for other people. Yeah, man. Question eight, flip side, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? It's got to be, uh, you know, like ego is one of the most difficult things to rein in. So I don't see myself as egotistical, but I think to the extent that we can kind of eliminate that, call it a mental barrier that everybody has, right? Everybody possesses an ego. And so like, if we could find a path to eliminating that in human interaction, I think the world would be a better place. Agreed. Question number nine, a little bit easier. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was driving down from Northern Nevada. I'm currently in Vegas and uh, had to visit some, some family up there, some health issues. So just made, I was making the drive down. 
late here, guys, but yeah, but, uh, quick drive. Right on. Question 10, last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm probably going to hop immediately onto another phone call <laughs> just to be honest because I'm quite, be, I'm quite behind right now, but uh, yeah. Well, appreciate you carving this time out and, uh, and sharing those quick hitters with us, man. We had a couple hot topics I think we wanted to hit if we got a couple more minutes. Yeah, let's talk about this. First one, AMC explores launching its own cryptocurrency NFTs for major movies. And uh, the company started accepting cryptocurrency for AMC gift cards and is setting up to take online payments on its website and mobile app. Uh, CEO Adam Aaron said Monday on a call with investors after reporting third quarter results. And the shares have risen more than 2,000% this year. (laughs) (laughs) And is one of the hot meme stocks beloved by retail investors even as the company has struggled to stay afloat during the COVID-19 pandemic. Executives also said on, Monday, on a Monday call that they're talking with Hollywood studios about creating commemorative non-fungible tokens, NFTs related to major films. I mean, we've been plugged in with, you know, Hollywood entertainment, and, and there's certainly a lot of folks that are moving fast on that. And, you know, good for AMC. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's just when you root for the underdog kind of thing, right? And, and if everything can come back around for AMC and they can really embrace, you know, all that's been going on with the kind of fun and, and support around it and integrating cryptocurrencies and NFTs, that would be beautiful, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. I, look, entertainment properties, IP movies, man, uh, these are some of the, the favorite things that people consume in their pastime and have their entire lives. They hold it near and dear to their heart. I think there's so much cool stuff that uh, that can happen there. I don't know. Michael, what, what do you think? Are you a movie goer? Do you go to theaters? I only saw, I saw, Josh and I actually saw Bond the other day. And that was the first time I actually went to a movie theater in many years. Are you a movie goer? Historically, yes. But I, you know, certainly not since the pandemic hit. And, you know, now with, I just watched Dune on like HBO now, right? So it was perfectly comfortable in my own home. I can make my own bag of popcorn and and uh, I like my sound system and my TV. So I don't know that I would be moviegoer again. I'm, I kind of applaud AMC though for this innovation that they're that they're bringing to, to their brand, to their company. Uh, I think it's somewhat emerging because of, you mentioned meme stock, you know, this all started exploding with like Wall Street bets, right? Mm-hmm. On, on yeah, Reddit. GameStop and all that. Yeah, I mean, GameStop was the first. I think AMC was the second. The the due diligence continues onward, but I think it's great to see the innovation. And also, I you know, people collected their first movie ticket that they you know when they went out on a date with someone, right? You keep your original movie ticket. So the next stage of that is well, now you get a digital NFT representing that event that and maybe you can even capture some additional metadata that you can't capture with a physical good. So I think it's cool. I think I've, nice I've got I've got two predictions. One. AMC and GameStop collaborate on some sort of NFT drop merch deal. It's going to happen. Number two, AMC buys a movie theater ship within Star Atlas and starts showing movies in the metaverse as ticketed events. If they're thinking along these lines, I think they got to talk to Michael and his team. And Michael, whoever's doing biz dev for you has to reach out. Yeah, yeah. You got another call to make after the call after this one. (laughs) You know, since you've done so much uh, with capital market analysis, just any quick thoughts on these me- the meme stocks and, and like the role that's played in our culture and economics. What's been your opinion on it? Have you watched it closely? Have you kind of kept your hands off? I really have not. I mean, I've been uh, pretty buried, head in the sand with Star Atlas for the last year and a half. I, even, my, you know, my own 
kind of personal crypto holdings, which I, I think are far more promising than anything a traditional equity markets or you know, stocks and the like. But that's that's gone completely neglected for way too long. <laughs> you know, I my very high level kind of superficial take on it is that I've read some of the kind of research that there that has been published from the community about kind of the short squeeze, right? And that seems to be relatively legitimate. And I think the issues that are that are being brought up as a result of this, the way that legacy financial services businesses and the industry itself operates appears to be quite corrupt and quite against, you know, uh, retail, right? And retail for the first time ever is getting an opportunity to say, you know, we're actually the powerhouse in the room because strength in numbers, you know, and so anyway, that, that that's about all, all I can really share with you at this point. I don't I don't have too much more than that, but I think it's it's kind of a I think it touches on so many more issues outside of capital market. It's about society as a whole. We're, we're in this like really interesting place right now where it's kind of the uprising of the uh, what's the not the, the proletariat? The, yeah, no, maybe. Proletariat. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. So yeah, it's kind of the uprising of the proletariat right now. Love the increased engagement. Yeah, from all levels. Okay, let's let's hit the next hot topic and then we'll we'll call it an app. Tebow backed company brings NFTs to the college football world. Backed company is uh, by T- Tim Tebow as Campus Legend. They're launching their first ever officially licensed athlete and school NFT marketplace this week with a special drop featuring players from the iconic 2008 University of Florida National Championship team. Yeah, we've talked a bit about the uh, potential of having you know, having NFTs in sports, but then also like college sports and even, you know, creating ways for kids that are even younger in sports to start, you know, minting some things on chain that maybe can affect the rest of their career. That's come up here. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? Uh, are you a sports fan or more heads down in the gaming no, I mean, I, I don't really watch sports much. I, I do like Formula One and a sport activity that I do engage in, but I have no familiarity with what Tim Tebow is doing. I, in one sense, I, I think it's great to see, again, innovation, new ideas being shared with, with the world. That This is how people are going to get introduced to NFTs, which will probably lead them down the rabbit hole of exploring blockchain, exploring cryptocurrencies, exploring all of the other opportunities that exist. The other side is, you know, I'm a, a little bit skeptical maybe of some of the gimmicky feeling launches that are going on out there. And again, I don't know if this is that at all, but, and, you know, I do think it's prudent to exercise caution with a lot of the collectible based NFTs that are coming out. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think college football has uh, some of the strongest stickiness there is between fans, their alma mater, the athletes that they saw play when they were in sort of these prime years of their life. But a collectible just for a collectible, I think, only goes so far for the super fans. I'd like to see some utility on this project. I haven't delved into it too far yet, but moments are great. I wonder if there can be some utility in the mix as well. Yeah, I, I, for collectible stuff and being a long time like baseball card collector, football card collector, just card collector, I'm less concerned about additional utility on these things and you know more interested in you know the rarity, the quality of of what they're putting forward, is it a NBA top shot type level quality or not? And uh is it going to be, you know, diluted over time by, you know, flooding the market? So all these things would be of interest to me. Generally speaking, I like the idea of digital memorabilia, you know, is really what it comes down to. There's so much passion for like University of Florida, you know, for example, 
And uh, so many teams, as you mentioned, Josh, there's so much stickiness around fans of, of college uh, sports that uh, I think it's fun and just another way to serve that passion that so many people have. And also reaching back into the, the nostalgic aspect of fandom, which in this iteration of NFTs so far, we haven't done much of, and we talk about that frequently. We just, we just haven't tapped into that as much yet. So I kind of dig it. We'll see you know, if it's a success, but I, I definitely applaud them for, for giving it a crack. And uh, I like the overall concept. I think it's cool. I'm just thinking about Michael. What was the name of your group when you were a kid? The LAN, what was it? The LAN? Lanarchists. The Lanarchists. Yes. Yeah. So are you familiar with the Pizza Dow? No. Okay. Uh, we need to connect you with the Pizza Dow, whose mission is free pizza for everyone. Because you mentioned pizza and Mountain Dew with the Lanarchists. I just want some collectible Lanarchists NFTs. I think they're going to be worth something. Each one comes with a, a free pizza. <laughs> and maybe you can do a partnership with Mountain Dew. There we go. That's it. <laughs> we're, we're full of ideas, Michael. We, we, we're, sleep, we're sleep deprived. It's, we had like 35 episodes of last week or 35 interviews. I got up at like three this morning. So you're giving the best and worst of us. Uh, uh, you guys are definitely full the of ideas. comment happened sure after my comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say, Michael? Yeah, go I'm ahead. not totally sure I'm ready to take on another project, but let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, happening. it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> nice, it's happening. Man. Well, hey, look, great combo, man. So much cool stuff happening. Again, seriously uh, excited about what's next uh, for Star Atlas. So many people are pumped about it, and, and we can definitely see why. Where should folks go to follow you and the project? Sure. I mean, uh, first and foremost, if you haven't been on our website, go to staratlas.com because it's a, it's a really cool, innovative, immersive website. The idea is we want to bring you into the metaverse at you know first interaction. And so go there, check out our uh, legacy white paper that we uh, published in December of last year, and then also our game economics and tokenomic white paper published this year in August. But in terms of community, we have a very, very rapidly growing community on Discord. So discord.gg slash staratlas. It's greater than 90,000 people right now. Guilds have been forming, communities have been forming, collectives have been forming. So come in there, ask your questions, get to know people and find some other gamers that you want to play with. Of course, you can find us on Telegram uh, and Twitter, I think is approaching 200,000 people. So a lot of updates, content drops, sneak peeks all come out on Twitter. So, um, and then I'm personally probably easiest just to find me on Twitter as well. So hope to see you guys in Metaverse, but guys really, really enjoyed the conversation today. This was a lot of fun and uh, doing this again. Absolutely. And uh, I think we'll have a little giveaway as well to announce. Uh, so listeners, keep an eye out on our socials. We'll get the details together on that and share it with you. It'll be something fun. So, uh, well, guys, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now. Rate us, say something awesome, and then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drop, Living Tree NFTs. Through this project, we'll be planting tens of thousands of real trees. This collection is not only beautiful generative art, but will also be the foundation of everything we do with Edge of NFT and our community for years to come. On top of that, Living Tree holders like you will co-create and participate in our podcast and access exclusive events and killer contests. You'll be frontline for other NFT drops, as well as a long, bright future of branching opportunities to come. Get on the whitelist by dropping us a line at contactedgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft and we'll share with you the steps required to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. 
We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole.